bitch thoughts. Sports news that top. You know Chris said, uh, she got you taking all the shots. Tell me, like, who got traded, who did not, and what's the latest? Well, let's debate. Just trust the process, you know we got this in-depth analysis. Who's the baddest? Yes, right here, behind the line. No bout, there's no crowd. Like N1, go for two, three, pull the drop to the hoop. We cover it all inside the park. The newest stud up from the bar. It's people's thoughts. DTB, you're tuned into the best you'll see. Welcome to a special edition of the Underdog Sports Podcast. I'm Chris Hordell, and joining me today from our brand new podcast that we are incredibly excited about, Don't Stop Believeland, we're talking to Ty Tarchanan. Ty, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. How about yourself? I am excellent. Thanks for coming on the show. And let's talk a little bit about your podcast along with uh, Tim Metcalf and Adam Weisenbarger. Don't Stop Believeland. What can we expect from it? I mean... It's basically a Cleveland sports podcast. We've been trying to expand out a little bit more. We've talked about the the big fight a couple of weeks ago, Mayweather and McGregor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about primetime NFL games and just stuff during the NBA season. But we mostly focus on uh, Cleveland-specific sports throughout the season. All right, well, let's talk about some Cleveland-specific sports right now. It seems like every single one of your major teams – has a giant story going on right now. Let's start. Oh with the, my gosh! Right. Let, let's start with those Cleveland Browns, uh, and this is something I can empathize with as a fan of the Philadelphia 76ers. Number one pick <laughs> okay. Miles Garrett will not be playing to start the season. Suffered a high ankle sprain uh, yesterday, I believe, and uh, he's yeah. now on a week-to-week basis. High ankle sprains. I'm I'm not sure what they're saying in Cleveland, but typically that's a four to six week injury. What are you guys expecting in terms of when you'll get Miles Garrett back on the field? I mean, like you said, probably a month. Uh, I think they're going to play it safe. Obviously, mm. they don't want to risk the number one overall pick, especially since we're not really expecting to do much this year. I mean, it's just not obvious. But, uh, yeah, I think they're going to play it safe. So I would say at least a month, like you said, possibly up to a month and a half into the season. Well, the one good thing, and my my girlfriend is a giant Cleveland sports fan, and well, specific, oh, really? specifically a giant Cleveland Browns fan, and I have uh, okay, I've actually seen every Browns game for the last three years now. I, I call it my <laughs> my punishment for an otherwise great yeah. relationship, but <laughs> but it seems like if you guys were going to suffer an injury at any position, and while it certainly stinks to lose the number one pick in the draft, defensive end is uh, it's kind of an area of strength for this team. Oh, my gosh. Our defensive line, like, the Browns haven't had depth at any position in a decade, it seems like. Mm -hmm. But now you're coming into this preseason, you look at this defensive line, and they're looking good. I mean, you got Garrett and Ogba on the ends who look – Ogba looked pretty good last year. you got Nate Orchard, who's been kind of a disappointment throughout the season or Mm -hmm. past couple seasons, but he really turned up in preseason a couple times. So I'm liking this defensive line. And like you said, if we could have it at any position – I guess it's good it was defensive end and not quarterback or receiver were obviously very thin at. Yeah, well, and that actually doesn't even include Ryan Nassib, who I'm a Giant fan right. of. Right, yeah, he, he's he been my favorite. I mean, we have a running joke with uh, on our podcast where I absolutely love Carl Nassib. He's, oh, I said Ryan Nassib, of course. Yes, yeah, I keep I <laughs> Carl Nassib, of course. Yeah, but uh, he came on strong like the very first game last year, and ever since then I've been super, super high on him. Uh Obviously, he has not lived up to my expectations, but I'm still on the bandwagon. Yeah, he was a different player after the uh, the hand injury last year. Yeah, yeah. 
that really I'm not sure what it did to him, but he definitely looked different after it. And I've always kind of equated Nate Orchard to a guy we have in Philadelphia and Brandon Graham, where Brandon was forced to play out of position for a while in the in a three four, mm-hmm. where he always seemed like a natural four three end, just you know, hands on the ground and go get the quarterback. I, I could see Orchard oh, yeah, having I, a similar kind of breakout season. I agree with that. Seeing Orchard in coverage was not something no. you wanted to see too often. But like you said, hand on the ground when he can just rush that edge and try to get past the tackle. Yeah, that's when he really shines. So there is a, there's a big-name player out there who's eventually, uh, potentially available via trade. And uh, the Cleveland Browns have been linked to him, you know, largely because they're something of an up-and-coming team, but mainly because they have this excess of draft picks this year. Right. And that would be Aaron Donald. How interested would you guys be in a potential trade for a guy in Donald who may be the best defensive tackle in football? It would definitely have to be what we're giving up because I really do like the draft capital we have built up. And obviously if you can get a player of his caliber for a couple draft picks, yeah, sure, that'd be great. Especially since he's unhappy there, you might be able to get him a little bit cheaper than what he would normally get. But with our defensive line depth, I mean, we still got Shelton and Meter in the middle who, I mean, Meter, guy right up the road from me in Ashland, Ohio, Mm. uh, have looked – Pretty decent. Shelton still looks good, even though he's hurt right now. And then we spent three draft picks on defense tackles, too, I think. Uh, we got Caleb Brantley, who may be a first-round talent, but fell so far down because of that, uh, Yeah, yeah. I believe, it was domestic violence problem and then uh, that he got cleared of. And then we also got, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Larry Larry Obi. Yeah, we call him Obi-Wan Kenobi on mm-hmm. our podcast, since none of us can pronounce it. But So I'm happy with the depth there. I don't feel like we need Aaron Donald, but if we can get a player of that caliber, I mean, I'm not going to say no to it. Like, Yeah, well, you talk about depth at defensive tackle, and that may certainly be true, but the, I really only see one clear-cut starter right now in Shelton. There's there's guys with potential in Ogunjobi mm-hmm. and, uh, and Caleb Brantley, obviously, but one, neither one of them played particularly well in the preseason, and that's fine. It's the preseason. It doesn't mean a ton. But, you know, if you add a player like Donald and – you know, to to Danny Shelton, to Miles Garrett, to right. Emmanuel Ogba, that becomes the pillar of your defense, that defensive line, oh, and, yeah. and that that certainly bleeds into every other area because cornerbacks. Let's just say it's a little bit of a weak spot for the Browns right now, <laughs> and the secondary and the rest of the secondary is very unproven. So, you know, if you're getting consistent pressure on the quarterback, and that's something that Donald is going to help bring along with the two defensive right. ends, man, that covers up a lot of other problems. Oh, yeah. And that's what we got to see a little bit in that preseason with Greg Williams' defense just flying around. Mm. Uh, it really did help our secondary because, obviously, losing Hayden, as much as I love the guy, he was definitely a shell of his former self. But we're getting down to very unproven guys at corner. I mean, we got Jason McCourty out there, but he's getting a little up there in age. Jamar Taylor's really come on. But with this new defense, and they're flying around now, and it's really helped them. And you're right. If we could get that just wrecking crew in the middle with Shelton and Donald, because then you can't double on Garrett or Ogba mm-hmm. and then bringing up the blitzes, that would be amazing. I was a little bit surprised by how much Greg Williams and the Cleveland Browns did actually blitz during the preseason, because typically the preseason is a time for very vanilla defenses. Do you think this, right. was, this was something where he just kind of wanted to set the tone that this is the new Cleveland Browns? Oh, 100%. And as... You can feel about how you want. You can feel how you want about Greg Williams as a person, mm-hmm. but he can coach up a defense. Like 
I think he really does set the tone. I know it's a hot buzzword. They're changing the culture in Cleveland. We hear it every year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every new coach says they're changing the culture, but I'm starting to see, actually see that somewhat. I mean, this defense has a little bit of an edge to him now. Well, when we talk about changing the culture, there is one sore thumb sticking out there, and that would be the rumors. I don't know what you guys are hearing, but I keep hearing rumors that Josh Gordon could potentially be reinstated in advance of the September 24th game against the Indianapolis Colts. As a Browns fan, what are your feelings on Josh Gordon at this point? I mean, he's so much potential wasted, and it it's really sad to see and at this point, I think we just got to cut our losses. He's just nothing but a distraction anymore. If he could return to his former self, I'd be 100% on board. But I don't know if he can stay out of trouble. I, I really don't. And I think you almost have to cut your losses. Because like you said, that's going to be in the locker room. And you don't want that seeping into the younger players. Because we have a very young wide receiver core. Yeah. And maybe, maybe you don't want that. Because I think he might be our veteran receiver out of everyone. I think it's maybe Britt. Britt but, but yeah. Yeah. But so you don't want one of the veterans on the team seeping down to younger guys with all his issues that he's had. I, just, I do love him as a player. Yeah. Go ahead. I just feel like that after all of the comments, uh, you know, from Hugh Jackson and everyone about turning the page from jo- turning the page from Josh Gordon and all of that, and then the subsequent walking back of all of those comments, I mm-hmm. just think that if they were going to cut him, they would have already cut him. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah, it, it's definitely been a little bit hypocritical of them uh like you said kind of making comments about about josh and then like you said now they're waiting to see if you get reinstated which i'm still highly doubtful that he'll get reinstated but mm. but you're right and if we can add him to the receiver core i mean our offense looks a lot better because you got kaiser the one thing he's good at is throwing the deep balls yeah like he's not scared to throw it and he has the strength to get it out there and if you get gordon run some go routes or some posts with Kaiser throwing it, I mean, that really opens up the offense a lot. With, you know, the speed of Corey Coleman and Sammy Coates on that in that receiving mm-hmm. core as well. That's suddenly a very very fun Cleveland offense and very different than the one that we watched a couple of seasons ago <laughs> where, you know, fill in the blanks quarterback is throwing an eight yard pass to Gary Barnage. Or uh Johnny Manziel scrambling in the backyard or oh. in the backfield for a loss. Try to... Which I'll Pretend that didn't happen. That was a great time in Cleveland sports. I'll, I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> we were bad anyways, but you can't say that wasn't entertaining. Like, yeah, I want to like, throw. I want to throw. want to throw a quiz question at you because I just came across okay. this the other day, and I don't. This is not a, like a gotcha moment or anything. I just. I just think it's okay. a fun answer. So, which one of these quarterbacks had the most single season passing yards for the Cleveland Browns? Tim Couch, okay. Brandon Whedon. Brady Quinn, Johnny Manziel. Gosh. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna eliminate Brady Quinn right off the bat. Okay, and I could be wrong, but I just got feeling feel like Brady didn't do too hot. I'm gonna That's go good. Tim Couch actually. That's what everyone would think, but I think you'd be surprised yeah. to hear the the right answer to that. Brandon Whedon. Really. <laughs> Nothing the, like yeah, I, I would have never guessed that. Nothing like uh, what was Whedon? Was Whedon twenty six or twenty seven when he was drafted? Maybe twenty eight. Yeah, I think he was twenty. Yeah, I want to say twenty eight. 
Yeah, that's uh, the the Chris Wenke thing, and you know we took it. We took yeah. a Canadian firefighting offensive guard in Danny <laughs> Watkins a couple of years ago. Oh, I remember that. That was that was great. That was it was less great for us. Yeah, you... <laughs> <laughs> it was just one of those moments where you're like, uh, all right, I get it. Like, yeah, okay. Well, and he the the big thing was he was ready to play right away. It's just no one mentioned right. that that ready to play constituted an incredibly poor level of play. <laughs> oh yeah, we were, we had that with uh, Cam Irving. Yes, yes, uh, I have. Uh, Cam Irving is Cam Irving is a dirty word in this household. Yeah, can we speak how we got a fifth round pick out of that? That's yeah, crazy. I don't know what kind of mind trick Sashi Brown's playing, but we somehow got a fifth round pick out, which may be the worst offensive lineman in the NFL. I'll be honest. Yeah, really unbelievable to get anything. I mean, you've <laughs> it, it stinks that you turn this first round pick draft capital and guys like Justin Gilbert and Barkevius Mingo and Cameron Irving right. into fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. But honestly, I think you did well in every one of those trades. Oh yeah, so do I. Yeah, I mean, it sucks that we wasted all these first round picks, but at least we're getting something back. I would have been fine with a conditional seventh from each of those. Like, just get them off the team, and maybe a seventh round pick will get it, but. The fact that we got a fifth and a sixth from two terrible, terrible players is amazing to me. And that doesn't even speak to trading Trent Richardson to the Colts for a first-round pick. Right. Now, you do lose a little bit of credit from that when you go and hire the guy who you made the trade with and bring him into the organization. But but still, an impressive feat at the time. That is very, very true. Uh, Yeah, everyone was kind of dumped out, and it's like, so that's the guy we traded Trent Richardson to. All right. Like, yeah, that was just kind of mind-blowing that we brought him in. Well, let's jump over to these just red-hot Cleveland Indians, 15 games in a row. Where does this stop? Is there is there any stopping insight for this win streak? I mean, see, I'm not the biggest Indian fan on the podcast. I'll go ahead and throw that out there right now. So mm. my opinion may be a little uh, – that's lacking fine. on this, but I mean, they, they have looked great. I mean, like you said, 15 in a row, they're red freaking hot. Pitching's unbelievable. I mean, they're outscoring their opponents. I saw a stat today. It was a hundred and something runs to like 30 over their <laughs> streak. And it, they just been looked amazing. Basically like they've been great. And I think we're seeing another world series run, hopefully a little bit better this time, but, I don't see why we couldn't reach the World Series again. Yeah, that was a that was a rough, although incredibly entertaining way to lose a World Series. Yeah, and like I got to give it like if I had to lose it to one team, I guess it's the Cubs. Like, I guess they deserved it since they've been bad for so long. But still, like that's heartbreaking. And we were on the other end of that with the Cavs, but mm-hmm. it was a. Uh, a rough World Series for us. Well, let's talk Cleveland Cavaliers. They go ahead and trade Kyrie Irving. You know, that trade request sort of came out of mm-hmm. nowhere, and all of a sudden they were basically forced to get rid of Irving rather than deal yeah. with just an utterly toxic locker room. You bring in yeah. Isaiah Thomas, Anti Zizek, Jay Crowder, and that Brooklyn pick. What was mm-hmm. the reaction to that deal from uh, from you guys as Cleveland fans? So Kyrie's my all-time favorite Cleveland player of any sport. May I ask Love why? Love him. I- uh, he came in right after LeBron left. He was fun and exciting to watch when LeBron wasn't there. He, I don't know. There's just something about him. He had that it factor where he was super entertaining. And okay. like I said, he right when LeBron left, we got him to come in, and he sort of gave us a little bit of hope for 
the future and obviously that kind of worked out but mm-hmm. so he's always been my favorite and honestly my number two was joe hayden so <laughs> uh both both my favorite all-time cleveland athletes got traded to what arguably our biggest rivals uh and we play them both game one of the respective yes. seasons so that'll be a little interesting but yeah the trade i didn't think we were gonna get this much from no i'll be honest that brooklyn pick i don't know how we ended up with that uh I'm not sure what we're going to do with it, though. I think they're sort of using it insurance in case LeBron leaves next year, but I could also see him flipping it for any number of available stars. I know Boogie's been getting thrown a lot. His name's been getting thrown out there a lot. Uh, Crowder, I love him. Mm. Like, I think him and JR have a little bit of making up to do from a couple years ago, but he has tremendous wing depth and some defense that we need at the wing that we have been lacking the last couple of years. I think our second best wing def- defender has been Richard Jefferson's 80 year old body. So yeah. yeah taking, away, rough, but... taking away any emotional element to that. If there's a problem between Jay Crowder and J.R. Smith, you, uh, you look to get rid of J.R. Smith because Jay Crowder is a winning basketball player. And you know, J.R. Right. Smith is a, a sometimes fun to watch basketball player. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, but J.R. Like everyone loves J.R. And like, I mean, he's really embraced the city, but you're hundred percent right. Like, you keep Crowder, who's a better defender, even though Jair's really come on. He's really shed his stigma of just a scoring guard. He's really been playing good defense and arguably a lot better defense than Shump last year. Shump's mm. uh, been looking pretty rough the past year. But, uh, but yeah, I, Crowder really adds a lot of wing depth for us, which we desperately needed. Well, it seems like the team in general is a lot deeper than they've been the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, adding a Derrick Rose and adding right. the three players you get from this trade. And I mean, I guess mm-hmm. you also added Jose Calderon, but I don't know how much that's <laughs> actually going to matter. Right. You keep Corver. Basically, basically everybody stays minus Kyrie. And mm-hmm. is this team better set up to compete with the Warriors now? And I guess as a follow up to that, can they compete with the Warriors? I mean, that's a really tough question because the war it's the Warriors. Like, yeah. like are, probably the the best team we've ever seen assembled. Like, mm-hmm. I, at least in my lifetime, I'm pretty young, so I haven't seen uh, too many great teams. But it's going to be hard to argue that we're even close. Like, we're I think we cemented ourselves as the best in the East again. Which I mean, that's just having LeBron on your team. Yeah, that's but true. seeing the Warriors with their depth, with their scoring, like it's going to be next to impossible. It really is, and I hate to say it, just because. I mean, they're our rivals, and I don't want to see them winning again. But I don't see them slowing down at all. I really don't, because you so, got to think this last season was their, this was their workout season, right? With KD coming in to work out the chemistry. So now they got a full season under their belt with KD, like. That's going to be unbelievable. Yeah, we saw the giant difference in that Miami Heat team when LeBron went over there from year one to year two, just because mm-hmm. there is there is a sort of function of getting the roster right and getting used to playing mm-hmm. with each other. And, the you know, I, I said this in advance of Durant <clears throat> potentially signing with the Warriors, but if there was one player to add to one team where you can have all of these superstars and it just works, I think it's right. Golden State with the mentalities these guys have because I genuinely mm-hmm. don't think – 
Durant cares. I don't think Steph Curry cares. I don't think Draymond Green cares. Who gets the most? Well, obviously Draymond Green doesn't care. Who gets the most points in any <laughs> given day? Who gets the most shots? Who gets to take you know right, no. X shot? I think Clay Thompson cares, and I think that's potentially a chink in that armor. But I don't think those yeah. guys, the other guys, care. That's that's what we've always. That's what our theory's been. Clay Thompson's gonna be the first to book it. Yeah. Like. I don't know when it's going to happen. I, I could see him going to the Lakers and want to play there, especially if they get a PG and all those other players are always rumored to have. But can you imagine Lonzo Ball whipping passes to Clay Thompson in the corner? That'd be really fun to watch. But Where, where do you stand on yeah, Lonzo Ball? He, oh, I love him. I absolutely love him. I know he's a very like hot topic issue, mm-hmm. but for some reason he he has that, like I said, that it factor. Like, He's just, I, do I like his dad? No. Do I think his dad's a good businessman? Yes. But but Lonzo Ball himself, absolutely love the kid. I think he's going to be a solid player. I'm not sure if he's going to be a superstar, but I think he'll be entertaining, and I hope I hope he succeeds. I really do. Yeah, my opinion of, Le, uh, of uh, LeVar Ball is very much – similar to what you just said. And I kind of, mm-hmm. I kind of came to begrudgingly respect him as a businessman. Yep, exactly. And it's just, you hate how he does it and it's annoying, but you see that it's effective. Like he's I in, mean, he's in NBA 2K18. Right. You know, this guy knows right. what he's doing. He can get attention and he can get free attention. And that's, it's very, uh, you know, We'll leave we'll leave the the political aspect of this out of it, but he's very Donald Trumpian right. in a way that he gets free publicity. Yeah, and at a certain level, you have to respect it. Just yeah, the hustle he goes through. I mean, look at we're talking about his fifteen year old son playing basketball. I mean, oh my god. Yeah, and, and that's another subject. But now Lonzo Ball's releasing a rap, a rap song. Like, oh god, this is all like, terrible. And, and <laughs> like everyone's talking about it. Yeah, everybody talked about it when Kobe released a rap song too, and Shaq <laughs> and all of them, and that wasn't necessarily beneficial for anyone. I don't know that it's going to be for Lonzo, but I was talking to uh, another one of the columnists for the site, and we we were just discussing Lonzo Ball via email. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me ask you this: so I suggested that Lonzo could post numbers like, let's say, nine point two points and nine point five assists, one point eight steals a game this year. While shooting relatively poorly, call it like, call it like thirty-eight percent overall, thirty percent from three. Is okay. that a good season or a bad season? I mean, I think it's a good season. And how does it, and how do Lakers fans perceive it? Is the most interesting question. I think I, Lakers I, fans think it's a bad season. Yes, I think they're tripping over themselves to call him a bust. Yes. Uh, me as a person, I think his shooting woes will improve because uh, that that Charlize is ugly, mm-hmm. and like I think that's one thing that can improve. I think he's got the foundation of the passing and the vision and all the stuff that you can't really teach. He's got, but like that shooting motion, yeah, that needs to get worked on. But I'd be happy with that. Almost ten assists as a rookie, obviously not the scoring you want, but I, I can definitely see that improving. And he is, you know, I will say one thing about Lonzo Ball, who I I was kind of down on, but then it sort of seemed like there was a decent chance he was going to be a 76er once we had that number three pick and the Lakers were were talking about, "Mm, maybe we don't like him. And Mm -hmm. I kind of came around to respect him and then even more so in summer league because 
the thing the thing about Lonzo Ball is his passing's infectious, and his passing mm-hmm. and unselfishness it just it changes the way the rest of the team passes the ball. Right, it's, it's incredible to watch. He is there. There are guys like James Harden and Russell Westbrook and LeBron James who will get big assist numbers and get credited as being mm-hmm. great passers, but they're passers for assists. Lonzo Ball right. will pass for ball movement, and that is so critical to an offense. And like you said, with with LeBron, he, he does a lot of the driving kick. He's not really orchestrating the offense mm-hmm. to a certain level. But when you get LeBron throwing it out and kicking, it's contagious. Yeah. As soon as that ball swings around, it just swings around the court a couple times, it seems like. And then we just get an open shot, and it really is contagious watching the ball move around. And everyone was getting on the passing, and it, it really brings chemistry together, I think, because everyone has fun when that's going on instead of, watching your two yard take 20 jab steps and then chuck up a long two. Like when you get that ball movement and get everyone involved, it really boosts everything up. All right. So last thing I want to talk about is uh, the aforementioned LeBron James. What is the thinking around Cleveland? Is there a chance that he resigns? Is it a foregone conclusion that he's gone? What, what do you guys think? It's very up in the air right now. And my gut feeling is, is he's going to leave. Mm-hmm. I I think so. I think he, by winning this championship, he cemented his legacy in Cleveland. He, I don't think anyone in Cleveland would, I mean, that's a broad statement, but it'd almost be making up. I don't think they would begrudge him for leaving, in all honesty. I know I wouldn't, uh, but granted, Clevelanders can be a little rough around the edges sometimes. So Yeah, I actually think Kyrie Irving did him the biggest favor that anyone could yeah. possibly do by demand, mm-hmm. demanding this trade. Because now LeBron can oh. say, like, hey, I came back. I wanted this to work. Right. But, you know, Kyrie, you know, look, Kyrie wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. So now he gets, yeah. a, he gets a built-in excuse for leaving. And by the way, I think he's – I think it's almost a foregone conclusion that he's going to leave. I have said yeah. on my show that I, I made a – let's call it hypothetical wager because, of course, gambling's illegal. That with my co-host, Anju Khanna, that – he mm-hmm. gave me four teams, and I gave him the rest of the field. And my four okay. teams are the Los Angeles Lakers, the Los Angeles Clippers, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Houston Rockets. I believe he will be playing for one of those three or one of those four teams next season. Hmm. You don't think he's going to Spurs? No, I don't think I don't think the contracts you can work out. I don't think the salary can work out in San Antonio. Ah, uh, but. With Pop, he'll play for the minimum, right? No, he will. He no. will not. That's ridiculous, <laughs> and you know he would not. He would not take less money last year to to facilitate right. the Dwayne Wade signing. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, he's demanding max because he took his little pay cut in Miami. Now he wants he's yeah. maximizing maximizing his earnings the rest of his career. LeBron James uh, will never play for less than the maximum again. Oh no, not. I agree with the Lakers. Uh, Houston, I that Chris Paul makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. Seen his buddy down there, he might want to go down there. But then you got three ball heavy. That's true. I'm not they sure all have to change out. how they play. That's very true. Right. So, but Lakers, I can definitely see that. Uh, Clippers also. I'm not sure how LeBron would like playing with a Blake Griffin or Doc Rivers. I don't know how he'd like to be coached by Doc Rivers. So, mm-hmm. I think Lakers is definitely the the front runner to get him, which is weird because the Lakers are always the front runner for every free agent in existence. And never but I happens. think this one's actually true. I uh, see. I think yeah. there's a chance of that. I, but I also think you can't underrate 
the draw to Philadelphia. I think it's a very similar situation to him mm-hmm. coming back to Cleveland where he mm-hmm. sees this excess of young talent and he right. sees this as being, cause you know, all LeBron James cares about at this point, and I'm not, not to say he doesn't care about winning or he doesn't care about the team. That stuff's not true. But the thing that he cares about that's in his head every day when he's working out is catching Michael Jordan. Oh and, yeah. And that's, that is his driving motivation for everything he does at this point. And I think, you know, granted a lot of it's going to be contingent upon how, if Joel Embiid plays 65 games this year, if Ben Simmons right. is what we think he is, if Markel Fultz is what we think he is. But if the, all three of those things do happen, then suddenly you have a guy like LeBron coming into a team with three young super-duper stars, and they are immediately the class of the East and will be you know, uh, an NBA Finals team until right. the moment LeBron leaves Philadelphia, probably three years. So say now. LeBron goes for next year, do, you, do the 76ers deal a couple of those players? I don't, I don't see why you have established to. stars. I don't know. I don't see why you have to. I don't mean, you don't, you don't I, I, who do you, t- even with tr- a Ben Simmons where they seem to have like almost the same kind of role as point forward. Right. Don't but don't underestimate to... that LeBron considers himself Ben Simmons mentor. That's true. And I, I can see him wanting to go play. You're right there. It's a redundant skill set for sure, but mm-hmm. it's all, it's also kind of a prototypical what we're moving towards NBA skill set where everything, everything that, can yeah. be switched. Everybody can do everything. Right. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. We will see. And all right. Last thing real quick. How much time does Isaiah Thomas miss? At least all-star break. At least all-star break. All right. Well, this is Ty from our our brand new Don't Stop Believe in Sports podcast. Ty, when can we expect a, a new episode of the show to pop up? So we'll be recording Sunday and, uh, we usually try to pump them out every Sunday and post them generally Sunday night, sometimes Monday morning, depending on how long it takes to edit and all that jazz. I'm sure you know about that. But uh, we try to pump them out every Sunday. That's about it. Very cool. Well, we all look forward to hearing that. Everyone should go ahead and check that out when it comes out on Sunday or Monday. Until then, thank you for listening. Ty, thanks for taking the time to come on and talk Cleveland sports with me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Until next time, everyone have a good week, and we'll see you back here soon.